Welcome to the Breezy Babies Podcast, where we talk about all things boobs, babies, and breastfeeding. This is episode 51, Your Pumping at Work Rights. I'm Bree, the IBCLC, and I made Breezy Babies with you in mind to help ease your transition into parenthood. Becoming a parent changes your life in every way imaginable. Bumps in the road are going to come up as you move into your new role, but my goal is to help smooth out those bumps and help you become the most confident parent you can be. With good education and support, I know you can meet your breastfeeding and parenting goals. Let's do this together. Hey, 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 how are you? How's your day going? I am so proud to say that I am batch working my podcast here. I am getting ahead of schedule, which is probably a good idea because that's something I'm going to have to think more about, especially as I'm getting closer to my due date. (laughs) Well, my guest date. I don't really like the word due date because Then we get it stuck in our head like, oh, my baby is for sure coming on October 24th, when really that's just a shot in the dark, right? I love to teach this concept back when I taught childbirthing classes at my local hospital, because really you are considered full term at 37 weeks. And you can, for most people, depends on your situation, but most are allowed to go two weeks after their due date, especially with their first baby before the road has been paved. So that's anywhere from 37 weeks to 42 weeks that would all be considered a totally normal time for you to deliver a full-term baby. That's a huge, huge span of time. So that's why I like to call it a guest date. And honestly, when people have been asking me when I'm due, I just say in October, sometime in October. (laughs) Sure. I'd love for it to be before my guest date. Um, but you know, you never know how things are going to work out. So I didn't get too caught up on, you know, exactly the day that I'm going to be having a baby. So that was a little bit of a side tangent there, (laughs) but, um, thank you so much for listening in today. No matter what you're doing, if you're just breastfeeding your baby right now, doing the dishes, folding the laundry, driving in your car, whatever you're doing, thank you so much for taking the time to listen in and learn. And I know that you are here and ready for it. You're ready to take this information in. And I think you're really going to love this episode that I have planned for you today. I do have a guest today. You are going to love her. Her name is Abby and she is a business owner just like me, but she is killing it when it comes to fighting for the rights of working moms to be able to pump their breast milk while they are away from their baby. So this podcast episode is going to be really specific for those who are returning to work. And also we're going to talk a lot about specific policies and laws that exist in the United States. So if that applies to you, if you are returning to work 
and you would like to know more about your rights to pump in the workplace and you are in the United States, this is going to be really, really specific to you. Now, if you are outside of the United States, you will likely have laws that protect you in your own area. And you know, it's actually so interesting. I did a poll, um, recently on my Instagram asking about the different situations around the world for moms who return to work. Now, sadly in the United States, we are not doing too awesome. We have moms who often return to work six weeks after giving birth. That is so, so soon. Six weeks. I would say a pretty generous maternity leave in the United States is considered 12 weeks. And if you tell someone that who lives in Europe or Australia that you return to work at three months and maybe you're feeling really good, like, oh, I don't have to go back to work in for 12 weeks. Let me just tell you that if you told a mom from Australia or Europe that you were going back in three months, they would say, what? <laughs> that is crazy because in so many countries around the world, they don't return for at least a year after their baby is born. And in some countries, um, there was a mom from Germany who was telling me that two years maternity leave is, is normal and that it's paid even. And then if they want, they can take an additional year off so that they have three years after giving birth to a baby. Um, they can take three years off, but that last year is not paid. But still, can you imagine all those years off <laughs> after having a baby? I mean, my first kids were all born within two to three years of each other. So I wouldn't have returned to work for a very long time <laughs> for three whole kids in a row. And so it's just so interesting to hear how, how it works, you know, in different areas of the world. So this may not apply specifically to you, but there's still going to be some really great information given. And I know that so many of you are returning to work. I also played a fun game recently that said you could only choose two things. And, and I asked, which two would you, would you choose? And so if you didn't see this on my Instagram, I want you to think about this right now. As I'm reading off this list, think about if you could only choose two of these things, which two would you choose? Would you choose no clogged ducts? no painful letdowns, more breast milk, never wash a bottle or pump part, no cluster feeding, no night feeds or pumps, never have to return to work, no painful nips, no soaking through breast pads, no engorgement, easier to lose weight while breastfeeding, or free breastfeeding supplies for life. Now, let me tell you, one of the top answers when I posted this was absolutely not having to return to work. So I know that a ton of you do plan to return to work after having a baby, or you already have returned to work after having a baby. So this is going to be applicable to so many of you. Side note, do you know what nobody chose on my fun little game? 
nobody chose no cluster feeding, which I actually was surprised about because I feel like that drives so many moms mad <laughs> when their baby just wants to feed, feed, feed for hours on end. Um, but I guess that's not as big of a problem as I anticipated. <laughs> Most of you just don't want to have to return to work. But I know that's not an option for everyone. A lot of us do have to return to work after having a baby. So we're going to talk today about how to make it as seamless and just as easy for you as possible. So let me introduce you to my guest today. Her name is Abby. She is the CEO of the company Work and Mother, and she's also a certified lactation consultant. So she's really passionate about um, advocating for moms in the workplace because she knows how important it is for you to provide breast milk for your baby, even while you are away. So she is able to go into businesses and build these fully equipped lactation suites. And really, if you want to see some pictures, you'll just have to go to her Instagram page at work and mother. I'll link that in the show notes to see how beautiful these lactation suites are. I mean, really, they are like the Cadillac <laughs> pumping rooms. I wish we could all have pumping rooms as beautiful as work and mother provides, but she also provides a variety of virtual support resource resources and experts on her work and mother hub. So if you need help with things like lactation, nutrition, sleep coaching, mental health, career coaches, they're kind of like a one-stop shop for that all. So like I said, she is set out to improve the workplace for mothers, which is so, so important. And by the way, I am going to link the laws that are the most current when it comes to breastfeeding. The website is womenshealth.gov. I'll link that in the show notes. And you can look through what the law currently says about breastfeeding at work under the Fair Labor Standards Act. It talks about things like, hey, you need to give reasonable time for moms to express their breast milk and they need to have a private space that is not a bathroom each time they need to pump. And What's really cool is, you know, while this law set out with really good intentions, there have been some people who have fallen into the gaps because this law hasn't really been enforceable and it has only applied to certain businesses with so many employees. So there has been um, so many families who have fallen in the gaps and not been protected by this Fair Labor Act. So there's a really cool pump act that's currently going. I believe it's already passed through Congress. It's still kind of jumping the hoops. <laughs> currently, it's May 2021. And I really hope that this pump act passes because this is going to close that gap because before with the old law, there was 9 million employees that were excluded from the 2010 break time law. And that's a lot of people who are following in the gaps. It also is going to provide employers with more clarity on when pumping time must be paid and when it may, and when it may be unpaid. 
and it is going to just really help to bring everything together. So we'll keep you in the loop with that pump act and whether it passes or not. But in the meantime, I will link the current laws that we have in place in the United States so that you can look those over. And I am going to turn the time over now to our wonderful guest, to Abby. And by the way, <laughs> as you're listening to this, Abby recorded this podcast episode literally weeks before giving birth. I don't believe she's given birth yet, but she is really, really close. She may have even had her baby by the time this podcast episode airs. So if she sounds a little out of breath, that is why. <laughs> so here we go. Without further ado, here is Abby. Hey there, my name is Abby Donnell. I'm the founder and CEO of Work and Mother, which is a network of full service, fully equipped lactation suites and office buildings. We are the outsourced mother's room solution that not only satisfies an employer's legal obligation to provide a safe space for moms to pump, but also provides a much better solution for working moms because we have every single thing you need to pump, hospital-grade equipment, cleaning, sanitizing, refrigeration, extra supplies, lockers, an app for booking, you name it. You need it to pump, we've got it on site. I also happen to be a certified lactation counselor and a mother to a sweet, ball full of energy, two-year-old little boy, and am due with my second baby in just a couple weeks. So because I prominently work with working mothers, I have heard probably every type of return-to-work horror story there is, and it pains me how many moms have to go back to work before they're ready or return to workplaces that don't have proper accommodations in place. So while our overarching company mission is to improve the workplace environment for working mothers so that they can succeed in both their jobs, Today, I'm really going to focus on three tips to make that transition back to work more smooth and set you up for breastfeeding success. So today I'll cover knowing your rights and how to reframe the conversation for your managers, how to keep your supply up after returning to a chaotic work schedule, and tips for managing it all once you're back. So let's dive right in. Talking about rights and reframing the conversation. The majority of employers are legally obligated to provide a space other than a bathroom for a woman to pump breast milk during the workday. Individual states and even some cities have existing or proposed legislation that take these federal requirements even further. So I encourage everyone to look up what the laws are in their specific areas. But here's the thing, regardless of what the laws are, it's actually in your employer's best interest to support breastfeeding moms. It's not just a feel-good move. There's a business case for it. So it always breaks my heart a little when I hear about moms coming back and being scared to ask for what they need because they'll be worried, they're worried they'll seem too demanding after being out on a maternity leave, which we all know is no vacation, by the way. So I want to help equip moms with the knowledge needed to reframe the conversation so they can be empowered to advocate for themselves and for each other. Supporting breastfeeding in the workplace can actually improve the company's bottom line. That's right. For every $1 a company spends on lactation support programs, they see an average $3 return. And here's just a few reasons why. Over 75% of women want to return to work after becoming mothers, but 43% end up leaving within that first year back. 
That's a big red flag right there that employers aren't doing enough to properly support their employees. Those turnover rates are costing companies big time. It costs an employer a whole lot of money to replace an experienced hire. So something as simple as proper breastfeeding accommodations have been shown to substantially improve retention rates. And that's a huge cost savings and productivity booster for those companies. Did you also know that employees who breastfeed take on average half as many absences to care for sick babies than employees who formula feed? That's because breastfed babies get the benefit of their mother's immune system and antibodies, something that is especially important for babies who are going to be in daycare settings where they may be exposed to many germs. So reduced sick days for baby means fewer work absences for mothers. And that leads me to the next one. Reduced health care costs for breastfed infants translate into lower medical insurance claims for businesses. That's right. Healthier babies and mamas mean health insurance savings for businesses. In addition to these, there's also cases to be made that when moms aren't distracted about their milk supply or pumping logistics in general, guilt or anxiety around, you know, pumping the, a certain number of ounces each day, there's higher productivity and loyalty, not to mention positive PR opportunities for the company. Long story short, you are most likely legally protected, but above everything else, you are entitled to ask for what you need in order to continue feeding your baby when you return to work. I encourage everyone listening to share this information with friends, family, and coworkers so that we can improve the awareness and encourage better corporate policies. You can also visit our website at workandmother.com to find more helpful information, including a white paper for managers that you can share with your employer. You can also fill out a form if you're interested in having a work and mother suite in your own office building, something I obviously encourage everyone to do. On to number two, how to keep your supply up once you return. The key to keeping supply up is to drain your breast frequently, as frequently as baby normally eats. This is clearly the toughest part of being back at work and thrown into a busy workday schedule. So here's a few things I recommend. A practice run. I recommend doing a full run through of your workday and pumping routine before you are officially back on the clock. Pack your punk bag and necessary supplies. For working mother members, you can fortunately skip this step. But get out the door on time, wear what you're going to wear to work, drive to the office, spend a few hours there, and then go pump in the designated space. This gives you the opportunity to see what it's actually like and if you need anything else so that when the real day comes, it'll be much less stressful because you'll already be battling tons of emotions and a new workload. If you don't have a work and mother suite in your building, I would also suggest keeping some extra parts on hand just in case. Next, block the timeout on your calendar in advance and for at least two weeks at a time. Depending on your specific situation, you may or may not need a manager's approval for this, but that's something I encourage people to address before they go out on maternity leave. With hands-free pumping, we can often still be incredibly productive during those pump sessions, so it's definitely worth a discussion saying, okay, here's what I anticipate I'll need, and here's my plan to continue being productive during this time. If you're one of those people who doesn't mind people knowing you're pumping, if you don't mind the whir of the pump in the background, then maybe you schedule calls during your pump session. Maybe you save some of your inbox clearing for those sessions. 
or perhaps that's when you work on proofreading reports. That said, some days you just need a break, and it's important both for your mental and physical health that you grant yourself that that break. Women often feel very self-conscious about taking these quote-unquote breaks. Let's be real, it's not like you're taking a break here, you're really still working hard. But people are worried about how they're being perceived taking these breaks, when in fact, plenty of people take breaks throughout their entire workday. Regular coffee breaks, smoking breaks, bathroom breaks, you know, lunch breaks, snack breaks, you name it. No one is counting their minutes or doubting their dedication to the job. So try not to stress about the minutes you spend pumping and just be confident in the work you're doing. Give yourself some affirmations about what a good job you're doing, both at work and at mothering. And if your work is erratic and you miss a pumping session or you aren't able to pump at the time you thought you'd be able to, just take a pump break whenever you see a 10 to 15 minute window, even if you just pumped an hour or two ago. It may not be as much or as as good of a session as you had hoped, but it will signal to your body to keep producing milk. And lastly, relax. This one is tough, especially if you're having to pump in an inadequate space where you might be physically on edge due to privacy or comfort issues. But the more you can relax, the better and more efficient your pump session will be. If you are lucky enough to pump in a working mother suite, our spaces are specifically designed to make moms feel safe, warm, and relaxed. And that, in turn, helps release the oxytocin required for letdown. If you don't have a space at work that makes you feel this way, you can try bringing in a small lamp and turning off the harsh overhead lights. Play some soothing music, look at pictures or videos of your baby. Maybe you start each session off with a two-minute meditation or gratitude session. Try not to watch the droplets. I always watched at the beginning to make sure things were fitted right and getting going properly. But after that, I try not to look again until about seven or eight minutes in. For a lot of moms, that can really trigger the stress of whether or not you're producing enough, which only <laughs> hinders your, your letdown. So one thing I did was tell myself right from the beginning that I was not going to stress if I didn't hit my target ounces for the day. That's what my freezer stash was for. And I was at peace with the, my fallback plan of having to supplement here and there with formula if need be. The thing is, this relaxed attitude actually helped me personally to feel more emotionally stable and less stress, which I really believe contributed to my breastfeeding success. I made it to 14 months and only supplemented with formula a couple of times. And last, but certainly not least, managing it all once you're back. It's going to be a lot at first. I think regardless of how amazing your setup is at work or how happy you are with your child care situation, almost every mom sheds some tears during that transitional period back at work. It's important to know you are not alone. It's normal. In fact, we've had some moms badge into the work and mother suites just to take a moment to breathe and collect themselves. It's another reason why that safe space is so important. That said, it's equally important to have a support system in place. If you don't feel like you're comfortable confiding about these emotions in coworkers, be sure to have a friend or two who has been through it or who is going through it at the same time who you can call on. And don't be fooled by those moms who seem to have it all together. There's likely a whole team of support resources behind them. I personally have a full-time nanny, lots of family that lives close by who can help in a pinch, and I was among the last in my friend groups to have a baby, so I could turn to plenty of others for questions or support. 
Additionally, because of the nature of my work, I had a lot of professional resources available to me. I think it's important that we're transparent about these these support systems because no one can do it all by themselves. And that's why we launched the Work and Mother Hub. It's a growing collection of highly curated resources and experts to support moms. Everything from sleep coaching to nutrition to mental health and career coaching too. The old saying, it takes a village, is still truer than ever. It's just that because of the way our world has evolved, the village may not be your physical neighbors, but it's still just as important. No one can or should do it alone. And lastly, I'd recommend to not quit on a hard day. Some days are better than others. Some days you won't produce nearly what you should and you'll want to throw in the towel. If ending your breastfeeding journey is the right decision for you, then by all means, make that decision. But I'd encourage you to power through the hard day and make that decision once you have a clear head. So what if you have to supplement? It's not an all or nothing deal. Your baby benefits from every drop of that liquid gold. So grant yourself some grace, be proud of every drop, and do the best you can do for you and your baby. So once again, a quick recap of my tips include... To one, do your research and know your rights, but more importantly, reframe the conversation with the business case for breastfeeding. Number two, do a practice run, block out the pump sessions in advance, and really try to relax. And number three, establish your support village. No one can or should do this alone. Thanks so much again for having me. And once again, I'm Abby Donnell with Work and Mother. For more information or support, you can visit our website at workandmother.com or follow us on Instagram at workandmother. Thanks again. Woohoo! So there you have it. Wasn't that so great? So appreciative of Abby for taking the time to record her great tips today. Again, her top three tips were number one, know your rights and how to reframe the conversation so that you don't feel like you are asking too much when you return to work. Her tip number two was when to start pumping and how much to prep for your return. And then number three was how to manage it all once you are back. So go and check out um, Abby's beautiful website, workandmother.com, or you can say hello at workandmother on Instagram. And again, go peep at their beautiful pumping suites. You will just drool over these pictures. They are so beautiful. So I hope you're feeling more supportive, more supported when it comes to returning to work. Listen, there is so much help out there. You are not alone, even though sometimes it feels like it when you don't know how to get support from your employer or you don't know even how much time you do need when it comes to taking breaks at work and how much time you need for pumping. But we are here to support you both at work and mother. And of course, you know, your girl right here <laughs> loves to make personalized pumping plans. In fact, as soon as I am done recording this podcast episode, I'm going to shoot another one off to another sweet mama who is returning to work. And honestly, those are just some of my favorite things to make. So listen, I can't wait to chat with you again next week. Of course, I'm going to leave you with you are strong. You are smart. You are beautiful. You are a good friend to all. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.